Yeah, I've got a feeling that Nora is like Belladonna took like direct great 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 Hello everyone and welcome to The Vessels of Kingsgrave. We are here for a review of the last episode of season one of Rings of Power. Um, I hope you followed us uh, along this watch, uh, first watch of this show. I think we're all pretty much excited about that last episode, so it's going to be an interesting discussion. Just to warn everyone that we'll potentially spoil um, anything in this world, basically, in this canon. So uh, anything in the published books, anything in the movies. Yeah. So I'm Mary, also Nymeria on uh, our Discord. And today I'm joined by Alex. Hi, this is Alex, also known as Iwendio on Discord. We also have Michael. Hey, Kawadegi on Discord. Eddie. Hello, Terard Stark on Discord. And uh, Zach. Hi, this is Zach Olson as Alias on the Discord in various places of the internet. Glad to be here. I meant to ask you your ratings at the same time as you introduce yourself, because otherwise we just go around twice. And I forgot, so let's do the ratings <laughs> um, straight on, because I forget I forgot them last time, so might as well start with that um, this time. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's start with Alex in the same order. Um, I think I'd give it a four and a half. I think this is my favorite episode of the season. Yeah, four and a half. Cool. Um, we had Michael then. I would give this a three out of five. I definitely enjoyed this episode more than I think all of the others, but it also highlighted to me things that I wanted to see in this season that were only in this episode, and it made me think this should have been spread out uh, over the whole season. So it this episode looked good, but it made the whole season look bad. Mm, okay. Um, so how would you rate the like the season as a whole? Um... Oh, I would maybe give it 1.5 out of 5, which is actually oh, lower wow. than the average of all of my episodes, so that doesn't really make sense, but um, yeah, it's not a... that's just emotionally what I'm feeling right now. The whole okay. is less than the sum of its parts in this, in this series. That's scary. <laughs> um, Eddie, what about you? Ooh, uh, I think this episode, three and a half, and I'm maybe the same for the whole series i didn't really like the previous two episodes um because mm. it was weird and um yeah uh, probably things we'll get into <laughs> um i like well i like this one better than the other two but it was still only three and a half all right um and and what about you zach i would agree with with eddie i would say three and a half for the episode and i would say probably three overall on the season i i did enjoy watching the show a lot but it's the kind of thing where like there's a lot of really high highs and a lot of really low lows for me in the show. It's it's like it does a lot of things that I enjoy, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that really leave me scratching my head, and, I, and it makes me wonder like more so than you know some of these other big like IP things. Since this is kind of a new outing for Amazon, like it makes me wonder like how much like meddling there was uh, from the business side of how they constructed this, and I, I really felt that in this episode where I felt like things that should have been given more time. We're kind of rushed out to get us to certain reveals. 
Um, and I thought that that was, that was notable given that, you know, there were some things earlier in the season where they just took way too long. So it didn't end, ended up uh, making the season as a whole feel pretty uneven from a pacing standpoint. And it just kind of came across very starkly uh, in this episode, but that said, uh, there, were, there were many moments that I enjoyed a lot and uh, I will gladly continue watching this whenever we get season two. Yeah. I have to say, I'm, 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 I agree with, um, all of what you said i think um we a lot of us agree like we like i liked the show because it was amazing to be back in this universe i think it was better than i dared uh, to hope <laughs> which is probably a very low bar but it was still better than um what i i feared it would be um for this episode i think i'd give it a a four out of five um yeah, a bit rushed. Uh, we missed we missed the dwarves basically in this episode, but um, it was still very enjoyable to watch. Um, all right, so um, I'll start us off with uh, a discussion about the uh, Harford and the <laughs> false Tharon reveal that we get at the beginning. So basically, the these uh, three weird beings uh, and clearly evil um, catch up with the stranger and they tell him hey you're Sauron hi we're here to serve you and he's like uh really are you sure um <laughs> and there's a whole but I don't think I'm evil but I'm not sure because yeah he had issues controlling his powers in the previous episodes the Harford catch up and try to save him from the bad uh, weird people um, who all have weird names that you see if I mean I guess they're cast as those names but you see that if you um, if you can read the little descriptions that you get from Amazon um, but yeah um, basically there's a fight the Halfwood leader dies in a very sad moment but the stranger saves uh, the others and destroys the bad people or at least send them away we can discuss if we think they're coming back yeah what's uh, everyone's thoughts about that part of the story for me this was the weakest part of the episode like the the way even the like the sort of chase scene in the forest at the start it just felt like a bad movie like it was so predictable and really not that well acted from the the evil beings and suddenly the wizard speaks perfect english and sounds like gandalf at the end of the episode but we don't see how he got there as it was all kind of wonky for me i found that little fake out with uh uh the the, the half foot and the apple as you say there was no real need for it like they really could have just walked up to him and said hey how's it going strikes me as something that I've seen a lot in this season of these sort of set-up tropes that either are poorly supported or just have no real meaning other than to make some fake drama. I personally, um, I personally didn't... Well, first of all, like, the, that specific moment where, like, the, the evil person is um, disguised as Nori, I thought, I thought that was pretty successfully unsettling to me. And in general, I found these characters, for the most part, pretty successfully creepy, at least... Um, Mostly up to this point where like they're mostly dealing with like a less powered uh, Gandalf, I think we're all accepting this to be Gandalf or like a less like 
self-confident Gandalf and the, the Harfoots who are, you know, not really capable of defending themselves. Like in the last episode, I found them really successfully unsettling and terrifying. And I thought that moment was along that line for me. I, I think my concern with this opening bit where they're eventually defeated by Gandalf um, is that uh, it, uh, it just went on too long. Like it, it just like, it just felt like they were spending like this whole time, like trying to like activate his like sleeper, signal to make him be well who they thought was sauron and it just like it just took so long i don't know it just kind of took me out of the scene eventually um with that but before that like i thought it was it was fine like it, 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 the chase was definitely a little silly but um i guess that was just we had to get that payoff of uh what was going to happen with these guys yeah and they were basically foiled by being sent the wrong to the wrong address it's like oh he's That's... not the right guy he's Wait the other one <laughs> He's the exact worst person you could mistake uh, this person's identity for. It's, like, kind of embarrassing. Mm, yeah. Here's something I'll say is that, uh, so, of course, this this ends with this very, uh, this very, um, I would say, divisive moment where, where, you know, in his declaration that he is not the servant of evil here, uh, this guy, Gandalf the Stranger, however you want to describe him, says... I'm good. <laughs> very, very, uh, very bluntly as he as he defeats them. And I initially didn't like that. But, you know, in thinking about it more, I actually think it's it's acceptable because that was kind of his arc throughout this season was trying to reckon with what kind of person he is because uh, he, you know, he comes to the world and he's just not he's just kind of struggling to uh, define what his identity is. And he's doing all these things that seem nefarious and he's he's kind of worried about what he could be what he could be becoming and he always has this steadfast support from nori you know trying to guide him towards this goodness and i, I like this idea of him kind of accepting that idea and accepting you know that yes i am good that is what i am meant to be and well that may seem kind of simple um i do think it works i do think it comes across right and i'm i'm, I'm okay with it um and i'm curious to see more of this actor because i did enjoy him a lot as this kind of like naive not aware of the world uh kind of character and now he's obviously quite a different character after this experience so it'll be interesting to see how that goes but i have enjoyed this actor quite a lot playing the stranger playing uh, uh what we now believe to be gandalf yeah i agree um i really loved him as well we, it's clearly Gandalf, right? The this little phrase at the very end of the episode when um I mean we can talk about that now as well because we're gonna move oh, on to yeah. other characters. That, that but... made me so mad too. Like did it? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> do they do they really have to quote the Peter Jackson movie? Like, can they not come up with something else? It was else? on the nose. <laughs> it was <laughs> way too on the nose. No, I loved it. I mean, that's why I love this show. It's because I know the universe. I love the universe. And so I'm okay with a, a little bit of fan service. Because like we've been calling him Gandalf for a few episodes now. Uh, I think most of us believe that it's him. Or even if we want to believe that it's Palando, <laughs> I have to recognize that it's probably Gandalf. And it feels good to have... Uh, to see him a little bit uh, in this last scene like to recognize the character finally yeah hopefully we'll get more next season they do it properly honestly that's actually one of the things i'm most intrigued by going forward into next season um because we don't really have any kind of like frame of reference for what's going to happen here so that i guess the idea is they're going to room um and to 
figure something else there. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but that's not really a thing in any of the written materials that I'm aware of. I'm not an expert. I'm not a war master by any means. I but think like it's, Gandalf, good. Yeah, it's just um, it's like just on the edge of the maps he drew. I think. Yeah, and like Gandalf does isn't a figure at this time. Like he doesn't appear. I don't think until the the third age. No. He uh, so like this is all new ideas, and that could fail spectacularly. Them trying to come up with original storyline for Gandalf and for Nori now. Um, but I do like those characters a lot. I really enjoy Nori again. I really enjoy the actor playing Nori. I thought the whole resolution here of her leaving leaving the uh, the Harfoots was really emotional. Like it was it was really really just like we we got some time to get to know uh, the relationships of these characters, and it it paid off really well there. Um, I thought they all had a great dynamic in a way that I did not feel necessarily with some of the connections between other characters in the show. Um, and I guess like we're going to lose a lot of that with her uh, being off on her own with Gandalf. So it'll be interesting to see if that can sustain kind of the, the dynamic there. I do, I do think I also liked the construction of Nori's arc as well in this season, as far as like, you know, trying to step outside the bat. This is a very typical arc for a Hobbit. <laughs> it's very definitely along the line of Bilbo and Frodo, but like stepping outside their comfort zone and becoming something else. Uh, I do enjoy that story. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah. I've got a feeling that Nori, is like Belladonna took like direct great 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 yeah I agree and like Gandalf's been like there every single time yeah I like that she goes with him at the end because like when she gets back to her family and she's like okay now we'll let him go and I, I understand it now. I'm a half foot. I don't go outside of the path. And I mean, it was disappointing, right? You're, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you want bigger things for her. So I was happy about that. And I mean, this way we get to still see Gandalf Hobbit's interactions. And I think, I don't really know why Gandalf is in this show, but I think part of it is uh, for that because we need some kind of lighter closer to the hobbits part in the story otherwise we we have elves that are more um like that are different from what they were in lord of the rings because you spend more time with them basically and men who are not that different but we we need to have some other kind of characters to round it up i think should we move on to numenor do it yeah so so we see um basically what's left of uh the army um go back to Numenor um where uh, the whole city is uh covered in in, in black flags cuz uh the king is uh, dead so Muriel comes back only to find out that her father died and Farazo has been mounting people against her when she was gone. Uh, we also got a scene uh, with Elendil's daughter um, being mistaken for Muriel uh, in a very uh, <laughs> House of the Dragon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, he tells her some kind of prophecy that. Do, do we actually see the uh, hear the prophecy in full? Or I don't remember what he says to her. It's more just like, go look at the Palantir, but not for too long. Mm. Otherwise he'll confuse oh, right. what, is, what, is, what was, what could be, yada, yada, okay. yada. <laughs> and it's understood that she goes to the Palantir and, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're kind of, it's a lot of setup for building the um, the dynamic where Numenor will 
it seems like start to go down the dark path that will lead to its destruction. Um, I, I don't know, like Numenor, I would say for me, the combination of Numenor and the Southland story was probably the weakest part of this show. Um, I just have have had a hard time like getting really invested in in the figures here. I do think that uh, Muriel uh, has been pretty good, um, but like I don't know, like we need more from like Elendil and Isildur and some of these other characters. Like it's just very basic right now of like who they are and what they want. Uh, I'm hoping for more development of those uh, as we go forward. Yeah, I'm struggling to imagine. Well, I just can't imagine what uh, is going to be the consequences of looking uh, Elendil's daughter looking into the Palantir. What's it going to mean? Like, I, I have no no framework for guessing what could happen because I just know so little about them, yeah. other than some freaky, creepy looks from Farazon. But you know, we all know he's evil. Yeah, they're positioning Farazon and Elendil's daughter as like being on the side of the of those who like you know in the context of like the, the original story that like support Sauron essentially and become like disciples of Morgoth and all that stuff like just like that line of Numenorians. Um, and I don't know, like I just don't quite like I, like I actually one thing I really enjoyed uh, earlier in the season was when Farazon was talking about how they're gonna like go colonize all of uh all of Middle Earth and like like he he had a compelling argument for why he would get involved in this kind of thing uh, like in a, a suitably evil imperialist <laughs> kind of thing but like that's all I have to latch on to in terms of like what that side of things is kind of like intending at this point yeah it feels like it was almost a one-off line like it hasn't been brought up for so long it just yeah the whole framing of everything is weird because there's a lot of of course like timeline compression happening in this in this uh this show because they're trying to tell the story of the whole second age basically in like i don't know how much time not a lot of time <laughs> it feels like cuz it's all going span of in years less than guess. the second age <laughs> lasted much to this <laughs> so like the idea of like establishing like I don't know, even just like that of establishing like Gondor and Arnor and like all that stuff, like is that all gonna happen? <laughs> like it's it's crazy to think about like how much well, they theoretically I, would have to do. No, like, they'll just um they'll just like when they said Halbrand was the king, they'll just turn up saying, We're king now and everyone's being we're like, king. Oh I hi you majesty. We're gonna build a house, we're gonna build a castle here and uh, we're king. I mean, we already have Isildur and um what's his brother's name? Anarion? Yeah. Presumably somewhere. So if they if they don't become kings at at some point, then we'll have a problem having Gondor down the line. Well, Sildor's <laughs> like trapped, still trapped in the building in Mordor somewhere. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I get, next season. Uh, yeah, pre pretty much. Uh, it, it does make me wonder, from a conceptual point, if they might have been better served having like several casts of human characters and a uh, uh, permanent elven cast because they obviously live forever and then each season or something you transition to a new set and i know that's a huge or much bigger of a risk but maybe that just would have been a better way to do it i don't know we will see yeah it was kind of what i was expecting going into it but since we meet elendiel in like the second episode you, you realize we... <laughs> yeah very very early on oh i guess that's not happening yeah i think it's something something they tried doing in house of the dragon but they sort of kept people on like i i saw a tweet today a uh that they sort of like recast um with um christian cole uh with matt berry as an older version oh my god i wanted to see that i wish <laughs> i should see that 
I mean, I think I don't, I don't mind the whole timeline compression um, in itself. It's more that we had like eight, uh, eight episodes, all an hour long, I think. And like in that kind of time, you can still establish characters in a more compelling way that what what they've done. I feel. So I wouldn't mind it so much if the characters were more compelling and that we felt that the way the story moves is um, uh, believable. But at at this point, um, it doesn't really feel that way. So that's why it's disappointing for me. And I think Numenor specifically has a lot of um, promise. It had a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. It's it's the scene of so many uh, political... um, political things and and we should have some good dialogue in Numenor we should have compelling characters that are scheming to uh, be in power and instead we have those characters but it's not very uh, compelling yet Uh, so I hope they're going to do better in the next few seasons because that's for me is is the weakest point in the show it's the fact that I don't mind most of what they're doing I'm I'm just not entirely convinced either which is yeah it's a shame I think Um, the I think the like the order of like effects here is that the timeline compression itself is making the characters feel less sketched out because they're trying to like pack so much stuff that needs to happen into this into the story that like we just don't have as, as much time to like linger and get to know people to get to know what they're trying to accomplish because they have just so much things they have to get to yeah but i agree mary like numenor should be the setting for great political standoffs and clashes of ideals and things and the characters are just getting into bar fights it seems <laughs> well let's hope for a uh next season or the one after that I, I guess we we've established Numenor now as one of the sets in this story so we're gonna get back to it um and we have to because uh Edendil is hot and I want to see him more he's <laughs> all right should yeah we're gonna move on to Eregion right uh so we finally have our three three elven rings at the end of this episode and it all happened quite fast um halbrand is uh healed when they get there and he very he's very helpful he has a lot of good ideas um <laughs> that it's a bit weird that Celebrimbor didn't think of it but if if that's the way we're doing this fine so basically he gives all of the right answers um and the right ideas to use mithril and forge something that will end up being three rings and throughout the the whole thing Galadriel is becoming more and more suspicious of Halbran uh, all of a sudden she does a bit of research she finds out that the line for the the kings uh, the kings of the southlands have has uh, um has died out a while ago and that it it cannot be who he is and she finally confronts him um and we get a whole whole scene where he tries to convince her uh, that she could be his queen she could uh, rule the world with him um and i think we're gonna discuss that one in detail because um it, it, it is a big thing um 
and finally like just to uh, do the recap he he flees um Elrond uh, saves Galadriel from the river she doesn't tell him what happened she's like you have to trust me but she doesn't explain um and they do they fought the rings uh, the final uh, making of the three rings happens without him so we can presume that they are clear of his uh, influence and um, we don't know who gets the rings uh, at the end of this episode and that's what uh, that's where we end so the elves and Eregon what about the Halbron is Sauron Riedel that I didn't even say in the recap because um yeah forgot but that's basically what the reveal we have yeah i think i uh i think i sussed it by episode six when he was back in um adar and he says you don't remember me it's like why is he pissed with him um so i have a suspicion that the whole reason this was all condensed into one episode rather than being spread out for the entire season is they wanted to save the Halbrand is Sauron reveal for like this episode because like the moment he starts wor- working in the forge even a holdout like me I was like oh okay he's Sauron mm. um, and I question the wisdom of this choice why have this you know fake out gotcha twist be the whole pinnacle of your season or whatever when uh, I, I yeah I, I don't know what to say I think it's it's that and also the idea that they wanted to put some rings of power in their rings of power show which you know it, it's fine I, I think I think um there was also something I read or, or heard that suggested that they intended for this show to originally be 10 episode season not eight so they may have had to condense down the story here but uh, but at the same time like I, I don't know exactly how that played out like when and where they they had to to cut things and speed things up but like they could have sped up stuff earlier like we spent a lot of time in Numenor I would say early but we honestly didn't have to if they could have pushed out to uh, expand the Sergian story which I, I think we really needed because it just doesn't come across quite right that like they spend 20 minutes together and then this like hugely significant thing happens like I just didn't quite buy the like the the like process of of Sauron, of of Anatar, of Halbrand coming in here and just like helping do this monumental thing um, in such a short period of time, like it just didn't it just didn't come across right to me. Um, and I'm I'm a a fan of the idea of Halbrand being Sauron. Like, there's definitely some issues with the execution of it. Um, but I, I've always liked that since I've I first had the the thought of it. Which again, like I've I've seen theories about it since day one. But like for me, it was really like episode three where they're in Numenor and you can already like see him kind of like influencing uh influencing things around him and having like a clear charisma and power over people that's almost inexplicable and maybe it should have been more explicable <laughs> in how he presented himself but uh I, I like the idea of like an unmoored Sauron just kind of getting involved in this stuff and and just people being drawn to him and drawn to what he's trying to do I just think that they could have done more especially in this context because elves like even in like again i'm not a lore master but my understanding is like when anatar shows up in a region like galadriel and gilgalad like like are able to perceive his lies essentially like i feel like there should be more to for to show elves being deceived in this manner than what we got yeah and it's it's supposed to be a whole process where like they're trying to figure out uh how to make rings of power and some of the rings are made for the, the elves and the men and it takes like 
probably a couple hundred years because these are elves and in this episode it lasts like an afternoon and you just can't have the same the same stakes with a story that happens so fast particularly with the mithril which was such a big plot point for so many episodes and then it turns out oh this tiny little chunk that's enough so in yeah. theory, you could make, like, thousands of these beautiful rings of power that, well, we know that the elves used to great effect uh, to help their civilizations thrive for the next 1,000 years. I just, yeah, the power stakes are wrong. There's no magnificence and awe or mystery into the creation of these rings. I found all of Celebrimbor's, like, wording about, ooh, it needs to be circular. And I was like, come on, you... <laughs> Where's the majesty in, in the crafting of these beautiful rings that are going to be so important? It's just, it's so basic. And it just feels, I don't know, it just doesn't feel quite right. Like, it just feels like they're trying to, like, like fit it in and just explain it in a way that just doesn't quite come across. I don't know. It just, yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to feel quite right. Even something like Galadriel and Gil Galad coming into contact again since episode one, and I think they address it once, where he's like, you should be in Valinor, and you shouldn't have come back. And that's that's all that's, that's said of this this great difference of views, this great, you know, you could even say it was a treasonous act by Galadriel to disobey her high king. There's a lot of drama you could have milked from this, but they just really don't seem interested in it anymore, because, you know, that happened nine episodes ago. Yeah, and since then we found out that elves are dying and we need Mithril, and... It needs to be done in two weeks. <laughs> so the whole quest that Galadriel was on in the beginning of the season is completely put aside in like the Elven society because they have a brand new problem to fix. Yeah, you have stakes that are set up and then immediately like swept off the table for new stakes to be set up. And it, 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 it yeah, I wish it was more interconnected for a more, co more cohesive season. Yeah, this is really the aspect of, and I guess we can get into more like the this particular particulars of Sauron uh, slash Halbrand and Galadriel's relationship as we as we learn, in fact, that he is that person. But like for me, like that was the main thing I took issue with is that like I just don't, it just doesn't like play for me. Like why Galadriel was so invested in this idea of like installing this guy into the the throne of the Southlands, which currently. Well, of course, it's Mordor now, but currently our only perception of what the Southlands even is is, like, one tiny village. <laughs> it's just like, why is this so significant and important? Like, why does she so, care so much about this? And it, the show doesn't make it play like it matters because, like you say, like you guys are saying, it just kind of gets swept under, under the rug immediately uh, as a thing. So it's like, I just don't, I never quite bought, like, why that was a thing she cared so much about and why she was so invested in this guy as a consequence. But, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't mind the idea of her, like, getting involved with Sauron in this capacity, but I didn't buy the execution of it as much. Yeah, I have the same um, same thoughts. Like, I don't mind it so much. I just, I wasn't that convinced. And to me, it's not that weird that Galadriel would be, like, drawn to Sar Sauron, because he's supposedly a very charismatic and powerful being, and they, the elves do get deceived at first. So, like, it's all right for me that she's drawn to him it's just weird weirdly done and not not that convincing 
Yeah, and, and the idea too of um, Galadriel being like drawn to the darkness and all this kind of stuff that they've they represented here, I, I actually don't mind any of that. I think it's kind of interesting. And of course, they have to give her some kind of arc, and it's always tricky to give elves an arc because they're always kind of static as characters. Um, but I don't mind it here, and it, I think it makes sense to go from that to her settling into some kind of like more wise, self-assured persona later. I'll also just quickly throw in a quote from the Fellowship of the Ring that like kind of helps justify this whole thing to me. It's kind of re- like reverse engineered to fit, but there's a quote in the Mirror of Galadriel uh, chapter where um, she says, I say to you, Frodo, that even as I speak to you, I perceive the Dark Lord and know his mind, uh, all of his, I know his mind or all of his mind that concerns the elves. And he gropes ever to see me and my thoughts, but still the door is closed. So I think that the initial intention of that writing was about the elven rings and Sauron trying to perceive the elven rings. And of course, Galadriel holds the Nenya, the ring of adamant that she will presumably get at some point in the show. But I think it kind of sets up maybe that there is some kind of dynamic between Sauron and Galadriel. And I, I totally am for that. But, but yeah, again, it, just, it doesn't always work as they've shown it. I feel the arc that they presented of uh, a humble human smith uh, gaining residence amongst the elves and slowly coming to influence and then slightly corrupt the the elven smiths and their forging of the rings. It would be a really, like, there is potential for a lot of drama and excitement and interest in such a story if it was spread out across a season. But yeah, Yeah. one episode. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. From Halbron slash Sauron's point of view, I I think that uh, people had an issue with the fact that he had this whole moment of I almost redemption and then clearly evil um, in in trying to persuade her to come with him. Um, the way I read that scene is more he was evil all along and knowing what he was doing all along, but he tries to break her. He tries to um, influence and um, manipulate her uh, by saying that uh, he felt something that drew him back to some kind of goodness uh, before falling to evil again. What um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you, Marie. That was how I saw it too. And to me, that's what made the whole uh, sort of mind um, bending scene where we see Sauron kind of invading Galadriel's thoughts. That's what made it so cool to me that we're seeing him trying to show her what she wants to see to then convince her to join him. But there's no, like, Sauron is never good. You can't trust what he says and it's all a manipulation. I will say, um, I, I do agree with this. I don't think that he generally was ever like compelled to true goodness. I do think that he thinks that he's doing good to a degree. Like even like Sauron, like an avatar of evil that we understand is still like any other villain thinking he's doing the right thing. And I think he thinks that he and Galadriel together will, you know, create this perfect order and this perfect um, reality for Middle Earth. Uh, but of course, what he really wants to do is rule Middle Earth and shape it in whatever image he desires, uh, which is the which is the the story of Sauron. Uh, again, in my understanding of the Sauron and um, Mehran, like the original before he was given the name Sauron, like he he always wanted to just like create perfect order and pre- create perfect goodness. But but he takes the path of ruling people to do that, and they kind of 
bluntly say that here. We're like, should we know uh, uh, Galadriel and, uh, you know, her excellent accent here. She says, you know, do you want to like, do you want to like help the people of Middle Earth or rule them? <laughs> yeah, he wants to rule them. Uh, but he thinks he's doing it for some kind of good purpose. Uh, but he is not. He is not in reality. Okay. Um, one question I had is, what about the timeline? Uh, like, what does it make sense that the sense that the Elven rings would be forged before the others? Because um, my understanding was that the Noldor uh, forged all of the rings uh, with Sauron slash Anatar uh, influencing them, um, and then Kellen Brimbor managed to like understand what was going on and and forged uh, the three elven rings uh on not exactly on his own but um he hid them from from sauron but now that at least to galadriel it's clear um who halbron was are they still going to forge the other rings uh themselves or are we going to see sauron go to different um uh, peoples of middle earth and forge the rings directly with them yeah i don't see how the elves can forge the other rings now within yeah. the show because they they figured it out and, and yeah. they they're not gonna like give sauron a second chance i do say i, At do least think, I hope not <laughs> i do think um like calibrimbor's got the woohoo on um on his brain um because he sort of spaced out and said oh I think someone told me that. I'm not sure um, when he said something um, suspicious. Mm. Um, so probably mm. maybe um, uh, Elrond and Gladiel go away and then maybe um, Ella Brimbor, like starts meeting Halbrand again or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think it's got to be something like that. Um mm. Because, you know, the only thing here is, right, is that Galadriel has hidden the information that he is, in fact, Sauron. She's just kind of vaguely said, don't talk to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there's some out for Celebrimbor. So I don't know if it'll be Halbrand exactly showing up, but some, like, conception of Sauron showing up being like, hey, man, you want to make some more rings? He's like, hell yeah, why not? I don't know. Like, that's all there. It makes sense. But it still feels weird because the three elven rings are the ones that were made outside the influence of Sauron and that aren't controlled by him so like how can those be the first ones <laughs> i don't know it just feels weird honestly i think they're taking inspiration from the prologue of the movies and the movies start with the three elven rings <laughs> boom there you go well the poem does too in their defense and to the average viewer uh, they that's taken chronologically <laughs> i think they're just shown in like numerical order it's first the three then the seven then the nine because it's more and more and more Yeah, I agree. So I did write to uh, Matt Valley uh, to ask him if he wanted to join us. And so he can't make it, but he said that, uh, in his opinion, uh, the next season will be the next round of rings uh, to dwarves, all men, but he thinks it might be dwarves given that we've met them uh, and and seen them a lot in this season and that the third season would be rings to men. And I guess there's some kind of neat symmetry to that kind of um, pacing but it also feels a bit forced to me i think i'd prefer having most of the rings forged quickly enough to leave room for um the fall of numenor and uh, and the last alliance and yeah yeah eight episodes of them holding the rings and slowly becoming corrupted I could see that working quite reasonably well with the men, but we uh, I know that the dwarves, they, they don't become corrupted per se, they just become more stubborn and hard, and 
that's assuming they're presented with them at the start of episode one of season two. Uh, yeah, it, it just feels weird. I actually think the dwarf aspect could be pretty good because, and of course, like the whole mechanics of this feels so weird now that like Galadriel at least is kind of like aware of what's going on. Why isn't she like doing anything about it? Or she'll try maybe and fail. But the idea of the dwarves as we've been presented, and I personally, I'm curious what you guys think, but personally, I think the dwarven story of this season was probably the best, just like most consistently good with the with Durin and Durin's father and and all that stuff. Like it really just it came across well. And like, I think how it's going to go is like that they're going, of course they still want to mine that mithril and like they're going to make these rings and they're going to become greedier. And of course delve too greedily and too deep and make that, that big fire guy mad. Uh, but like, it, I think it could come across as pretty tragic and felt like with how we've gotten to know these characters, if they go down that path, and, like we see, like we of course support younger Durin and want him to succeed, but like the path he's going on does feel like it will lead to destruction up to this point. So like it, 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 it harmonizes pretty nicely with me with the idea of them getting ring and becoming corrupted by Sauron and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah some, some things, um, sorry. Some, some of the things no, Deesa says pretty sus at the end of uh, episode seven. Yeah, I saw something about because she is like so in tune with like <laughs> the the rocks and stuff because of her role in society that she is like already kind of being corrupted by like the the the, the seduction of Mithril itself, which is you know it's fine, but yeah, she definitely is like all about. She's already going down that path of like let's get a bunch of Mithril, let's let's delve, let's delve, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's about the power too. She's like the, the we will you and I um, rule the 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 dwarves uh, the dwarven kingdom and it is it feels both very epic and slightly wrong and you're like that that doesn't sound good and at the same time it's also about them um getting their power and um away from durian's father's shadow so i think it was very well done that was the most convincing part of it for me as well um and i'm i'm very hopeful for the story in the arc that it's gonna take in this um uh, with the dwarves and i am hoping to see more elrond and Durin uh, scenes because those were really the best yeah i really agree with what you said marie and and zach and i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing more of moria next in the following seasons and like having the big fiery guy wake up and <laughs> <laughs> bad news kind of, uh yeah um thwart all the best laid plans of ambitious dwarves do we know when when does moya fall in in canon in the submarine mm. well in the hobbit the dwarves are still in moria but i don't know if there's been events from before moria as well because like they were completely homeless they didn't have the mountain hall under yeah, but like, no, I, before, think, um... I think what happens is they get driven out of Moria and they go to the Lonely Mountain, then some outcomes, then they're homeless. Yeah, like they, mm. they try to reclaim it later. Like, it's the whole thing, like, where, where they go back and they find where, of course, like, they, um, the fellowship finds this, like, Balin's uh, records uh, mm. in there and, like, what happened. That was, like, an attempt to go back and reclaim Moria much later after it was initially. Okay. Made. I think they were still like in it though by the third age. Like it was still like fully populated by the third age. But again, like this show is fucking with the, the timeline. Yeah, though. yeah, that's my my point and my question, I guess, because um, I know there's been a few attempts to reclaim it. They settled there again, and then 
and then all died at, like we see with Stalin but I didn't think the first the first falling <laughs> was uh, the first yeah was in, in the second age so but because that I'm not sure what to think about the, um, the Balrog uh, sighting I mean to me it could also be just just foreshadowing of the Lord of the Rings events uh, and the Balrog doesn't necessarily have to be important in this show for it to just make sense that we we saw and we we saw it we saw it and it's not gonna have any consequence now that might also work for me i don't i i think as a natural conclusion to this story the dwarf story it's fine i mean it's definitely fan service as well of course because it's mm-hmm. like a thing we know and we're excited to see um the big fiery guy uh, but yeah, it just it. I think it's fine. Like as a as a conclusion, it just it's one of those things, those prequel things where it's it kind of maybe undercuts the drama because we know where it's going. But yeah. it's kind of inevitable with this kind of thing. Okay. All right. Do we have anything more? Any burning questions about any of it? Just a shout out. It's been said, but like the the Hollowbrand line where he's like, where he kind of reveals, who gives the game away. He's like, I've been awake since before the breaking of the first silence in that time. I've had many names. Like it's such a good Sarani line. Like that was a very, very quality bit of writing for sure. And it, it's just cool to me to kind of see this character given a little more depth. Like Sauron really is just like like a nameless evil. Like he's just the enemy uh, in the in the books, and he's just a flying floaty eyeball in the movies. Uh, so like it's good to give for me to get to know him better. Like I actually find that really compelling, and I do find the, the it being ciphered through this relationship with Galadriel compelling um not everything about it's been perfect but i I do enjoy that as kind of a central uh, to me like it seems to be the central kind of conceit of the show but what we have to see really where it goes from here like i I am curious to see him confront uh confront adar and see that that all that play out but it it could go a lot of different ways it's we're definitely like have a lot to to figure out going forward yeah i think in um with a lot of things the lord of the rings and and the silmarillion and this whole universe is really hard to adapt because you got you get so many characters that are um quite static like you said like the elves are or even sauron is just this the villain the evil in the world is he's not really even a person or a character in the lord of the rings is he is the personification of evil so it's it's hard to do a prequel and give more um depth and nuance to these characters that clearly aren't nuanced in nuanced in the in previously written canon but i so i think they messed up a few things but they also did well with sauron i'm fairly convinced by um halbrand uh, i mean whatever the actor name is um um I, yeah, I, I was with, really happy with that casting. I really hope they keep him and they don't make him go like Darth Vader in the next season where or you don't see his face anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he's going to be paddling around with um, Isildur and that, that annoying kid. Yeah, just a little buddy comedy with Isildur, the man who eventually <laughs> got the ring from his finger. <laughs> I, I would be so curious if they got interaction. <laughs> It feels like they will. It'll be it'll mm. be it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I agree. Well, I've got nothing more to say other than I will look forward to season two, despite the fact that we spent most of these uh, these reviews um, <laughs> being unhappy about various things about this show. Uh, I think I think it's still uh, quite nice to watch. Oh wait, wait, wait! I have to be unhappy about one more thing. 
Um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> the <laughs> the song at the end. Oh God, yeah, oh. it was just oh. so bad. Oh yeah, it was quite bad. <clears throat> <laughs> that wasn't great, but I will say the music and to be positive for a sec, the music in general has been outstanding. And the yes. the hot the Harfoot song, the Wandering Day song, is honestly actually one of my favorite Lord of the Rings songs that we've ever had. Like oh, yeah, I thought that I, I that song that. was gorgeous. That one. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's a lot of good stuff on that front. Yes, you're right. I mean, I keep but, hearing yeah. um, basically one of outlander's themes in the halfwood theme because it is very similar and it's the same composer so it makes sense and but every time i've got a some part of my brain uh that's like oh uh, are we in scotland now and <laughs> it feels a bit weird but that's fine i i i thought the music was pretty good except for that one time when it 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 was good in itself but it made no sense the way it was used i mentioned that in one of the episodes that last song was ugh, very bad. Sorry, I brought up something negative right as we were <laughs> wrapping up. That's good. That's fine. We've um... got to hold on to that for two years now. <laughs> Is it two years? I don't know. Uh, well, I think House of the Dragon's like going to be two years. What? Yeah, yeah I think they're both going to be two years. I think that's just how like big TV is nowadays. Oh, don't, like, don't worry, we'll get we'll get another. Um, what's the what's the other crap? Um, oh, we're one? getting um his dark materials in December. True. Oh, awesome! That's oh, good. Then. Oh, don't worry, we'll get then get another wheel of time. Oh god, oh, yes. that was so bad. Oh my give god. Me, give me more Witcher. It's terrible, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least it's kind of, yeah. I mean, The Wheel of Time has similar issues with the, with this, with Rings of Power, except that it's even even less good because it doesn't have uh, as much money, I guess. But it, I was so angry at it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to watch season two to be angry again, I guess. Um, <laughs> what the hell out of that show? Yeah. If, you, if, if you're not watching it yet and want something really good, Andor is really good. Yeah, I am watching it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I've got two oh, episodes. And to um, watch if you haven't I'm, watched I'm The Expanse, watch The Expanse. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm Expanse. one of two seasons behind one, I, I think, but I've watched most of them and it's very good. All right, so we'll get something. But still, um, I, I got invested in House of the Dragon specifically, and I think waiting two years is going to be a long time. Um, but hey, <laughs> not like we're not used to that. So <laughs> We are so good at waiting. We might, get, <laughs> we, we might get another blog post about the book in the meantime. Uh, maybe two. Maybe two blog posts. Maybe two. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what we're reduced to. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, um, well, thank you everyone for uh, joining me. I guess we can close the podcast officially now. And thank you everyone for joining. It was a very interesting discussion. We'll see you all again for season two. Uh, in the meantime, do join the Discord if you're not on there and join the discussion. As uh, mentioned in this last couple of minutes, we do talk about m- most things uh in fantasy and science science fiction we're big nerds we're huge we're big nerds yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's for sure all right uh bye everyone thank you very much until named he is blandered i think we could see palando like if we're going to to read we could actually yeah. see Palando. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, careful because they've sport the end of the crown. Yeah, 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 I don't know if they'll get that far. <laughs> we don't. We don't know how it ends. It's big spoiler. Yeah, it's been a um editing this. Oh, she will be yeah. Because all of this talk of Magnum will just get cut out because she hates her. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Bina. 